Sometimes if I have a, a Sunday off, which really isn't too often, um, but if I have a Sunday off, occasionally I'll uh, sneak over to another church and just kind of be a part of their service. It's kind of nice not to have any duties or responsibilities or anything like that occasionally. But I was at a church a few years ago, and I just happened to be there on the Sunday that they were celebrating their building being paid off. (laughs) So I was thinking, like, that will be us one day. And today is the day, right? So God has been very, very gracious. I just want to give a really short history of liberty, and then we'll look at um, the word a bit. But we started back in 1996 uh, with just a handful of families on a deck in someone's backyard. And people that were there at the beginning um, will refer to it affectionately as church on the deck. Um, That didn't last too long um, because we quickly outgrew it. So then we were looking for places to meet, and so we were talking with different churches. And, of course, churches meet on Sundays, so we quickly realized, like, Sundays wasn't really going to happen for us. So we um, found a church. It was on Mid-Rivers. If you're heading uh, 70 east from here, you take a ride on Mid-Rivers, and about a mile down, there used to be a Jiffy Lube church, or Jiffy Lube uh, building. We called it the Jiffy Lube Church. That was our nickname for it. Um, I think it's like Dad's Auto Repair now, but there's like an office building connected to that auto repair shop, and there's a church already meeting there, and so um, they rented to us, and so we started meeting on Saturday nights. And we actually met on Saturday nights for about 11 years, I believe. A long, long time. So we met on Saturday nights at what we call the Jiffy Lube Church. Um, that's what we would refer to it. We were always Liberty Church. Um, then we quickly outgrew that in about a year, and we met at a four-square church off of 70 and Zumbel, and met there for about a year. Then we moved uh, here. This was O'Fallon Church of the Nazarene, and they kind of were looking to kind of reboot and and move and and restart things. And so when we started meeting here, again, we were on Saturday nights, and we were renting from them with the understanding um, that if they came to the place of selling the building, which we knew they were kind of leaning towards, we'd have the first opportunity to do that. So we met here for a few years, then they got to the place where they were ready to sell, and we ended up um, officially buying it in January of 2002. So that brings us to today. Um, Well, it doesn't quite bring us to today because going back to a few years when we were renting and we had the opportunity to buy it, I remember sitting in the meeting. I didn't even have any kids yet. My oldest is 19 now. I didn't have any kids yet. And I remember sitting in the meeting and they basically, the, uh, the pastors came to the members and were like, hey, we have the opportunity to buy this building but here's what it's going to take from the members of the church. We had to basically have a down payment. So they basically asked for X number of dollars from each family. Some might be able to do more, some might be able to do less, right? But that night, we went home, we prayed about it, we got together probably about a month later, and we committed as a church to buy the building. So we ended up buying it. Um, We immediately dropped around $100,000, which today doesn't really go very far, right? Um, and it, didn't, it went pretty far for us back then. We originally had green carpet and orange pews and chandeliers from like the 1970s. The bathrooms like were the original ones. So we, we dropped money on the sanctuary and the bathrooms and updated a couple um, things on the, on the first floor. Um, fast forward 20 years, we were making monthly payments, 240 months of monthly payments. That's a lot of monthly payments. And last month, we made our last payment. 
the 240th. And guess what? This month, we won't make one. <laughs> this happened because of God. God is very gracious and kind. He has blessed us over and over. And it also happened because of you all and people that have been here before. You all have been faithful and generous to bring us to this place. And one of the things I love about this church is the generosity woven into the fabric of what this church is. There is a culture of generosity here. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with me. Second Corinthians chapter 8 says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I think this is like one of the greatest verses in the Bible because notice what it says. Their abundance of joy, so I mean, they're just like overflowing with joy and overflowing with joy. But notice also, and their extreme poverty, like they're dirt poor, all right? But what does it do? The joy and the dirt poor poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Dirt poor, yet super generous. It goes on to tell us what it looks like. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. And look what, look what this, these churches of Macedonia did. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I mean, isn't that amazing? Dirt poor and begging the Apostle Paul that they could be a part of helping out another church that was struggling. That's generosity. And we've had many, many generous givers over the years. We got, we got a lot of Macedonians, so to speak, here that God has blessed this church with. I remember a few years ago, there was a, a husband in this church had lost his job, and Justice and I were talking, okay, you know, how can we help this family, support this family, minister to this family? And it turned out, even before we had had that conversation, like families had already started dropping off groceries and giving them gift cards and meeting their needs. That's the body being the body. And every time that I've come to the body for a need that the church has, the body has stepped up and responded. Um, our Belize, uh, Belize, which is a, a place we go on our mission trips, we have since 2008. Um, you know, the pandemic um, hit many of us hard. It hit Belize especially hard. And we came numerous times to this body in 2020 and 2021 asking for you guys to give donations that we could send to that church and to those churches down there, and you guys responded time and time again. Overflowing generosity. And it's interesting because it's like generosity begets generosity. Like when I see you all being generous, that encourages me to be generous. And I hope as you see others being generous that you're encouraged to be generous. You read through the New Testament, and there is just this over, you know, this spirit of, of, of generosity kind of woven throughout. Being generous, being generous, being generous. Just like these churches of Macedonia, begging to take part and to be 
generous. That's amazing. So today we celebrate God's goodness to us. He has blessed us, right? I mean, he's blessed us, not just with this building, but in countless ways. We're saying 10,000 reasons we could keep on going on. So he's blessed us, and in turn, we have been able to bless others. Like this building has been used for so much ministry, not just within this church and this church body, but also outside this church. We have uh, a St. Charles County home educators, Margaret, I got it right this time. St. Charles County home educators that, that meets here. Much, much, much ministry is going on. There's like 500 students that go through here every single week. That's a lot of ministry. That's just us having a building and providing it for another organization to use, right? But we're making our, but, but that's y'all. I believe you all get a little share of that reward someday because you help make this building run. Like, there, you know, it, it, takes, it takes finances to keep the electricity on, to keep the heat on, to keep the cooling on. You know, all those things that we can minister. We can minister to a completely separate organization and be a blessing to them. So much, much ministry has occurred both within this church and outside this church, and that's, that's what we're celebrating as well. And because we are blessed, we want to be a blessing to others. We as a culture in America, we as a culture, we don't, we don't do celebrations well. Because usually like a real celebration includes louts of alcohol, intoxicated people, people saying things they wouldn't normally dream of. Like I've been to some of those celebrations. But this doesn't mean, because celebrations are, are, are sometimes done wrong, it doesn't mean we celebrate. And I think that that we make a mistake sometimes of not taking opportunities like this to celebrate what God has done. And that's why, that's why we're doing it. Taking one service every so often to celebrate what God has done is appropriate and right. So what it does mean is we want to celebrate rightly. We want to celebrate, celebrate properly in a way that glorifies the Lord, whatever the occasion might be. So we're, it's like we're kind of pausing today, and we're taking a little bit of time out. Justice was like, hey, since worship is going long, is your, is your sermon going to go shorter? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. We'll just, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> but we, we're, we're pausing, and we're taking time out to celebrate who God is and what he has done for us. Look at Exodus 13. This is right after the Exodus, right after the institution of the Passover, and we get to verse, verse 1 of, of chapter 13. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. So that's kind of their reminder. No leavened bread. Right? Today in the month of Abib you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Here, right away, he's taking them out of Egypt, and what does he do? He commands them to celebrate. He commands them. Seven days, right? Unleavened bread. But what happens on the seventh day? A feast to the Lord. It's not optional. Study your Old Testament. It's not optional. You're going to celebrate, all right? So let's celebrate rightly. Look at Exodus 14. One chapter later. So they crossed through the Red Sea, right? You all know the story. You've probably heard it since you were a kid. They crossed through the Red Sea. The Egyptians try to pursue. God divides the sea so that the Israelites can get through. They cross. Then verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then look, so he's rescued them, right? Then look what the very next thing that they do is. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. What did they do? They worshiped. God delivers them. And what's their response? It's worship. They worship him. They sing a song. Friends, celebration is important to God. God wants his people celebrating. Not just any celebration, but celebrating who he is and what he's done for his people. He wants us to remember. Look at Leviticus 23. This chapter talks about the different feasts. <clears throat> We're just going to pick it up in the middle of the Feast of Booth. It says in verse 39, Levit Leviticus 23, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the Feast of the Lord seven days. So how long are they celebrating? I mean, that's a party, y'all. Okay. Like, y'all are going to try to get out of here early after you get your food, right? Seven days, they're celebrating and having a good old time. Seven days. And guess what? These feasts of Israel, one, they were commanded by God, but these feasts were celebrations. God wants his people celebrating. Back in Deuteronomy, I want to read, this is, this is, this is just a great passage, so we're going to read it. In Deuteronomy 14. Starting in verse 22, it's talking about the tithes. It says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field 
year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Okay, so first, the place where his name's going to dwell was, you know, first the tabernacle, and then later, the temple. It says in verse 24, And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, auction or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. So it's like you live far away from either the tabernacle or the temple, and it's like, oh man, like five cartloads of fruit and eight cartloads of, of grain, that's like a lot, you know, and there's a couple hills along the way, right? And God's like, that, that's a lot of hassle, okay? He's like, I get that. So if that's you, then, then sell that tithe that you're bringing to me, right? Sell it and take the money and do what? Buy whatever your heart desires and then come and celebrate with me before me. Spend the money for whatever you desire, it says. Why? You shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice. You and your household. So let me encourage us as we celebrate. One, we want to remember where we came from and remember where God brought us. We're still in Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Deuteronomy, it just means uh, in Greek, it's the second telling. It just means second law, meaning it's the repeating of the law from Exodus. So the second, <clears throat> the second telling of the law, and we get this, the Ten Commandments again, actually. It's not just in Exodus, it's actually in Deuteronomy. And so when he's talking, look at Deuteronomy 5, that's where the Ten Commandments get repeated. Look what they're told in the middle of these Ten Commandments. He gets down to the Sabbath, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What's he want us doing? It's in the Ten Commandments here. Remember. Remember where you came from. Remember what he's brought you out of. When, when Diane was sharing earlier, I remember years ago we had a wedding here. We've had a few. But that day, Pastor Vaughn was uh, officiating the wedding. He gave the gospel. And a young lady got saved. Some of you know her. Dawn Terry. She got saved in this building at that wedding. Now Dawn has gone to be with the Lord. She went at an early age. But guess what? Salvation came to her and then to her husband. God 
was gracious to save. He used this building, he used the people of this building to save one of his. So we want to remember, this applies to us individually, remember who you were, and remember what God has done, but it also applies to us communally. That's part of the reason I gave a short history of liberty. Whether you've just been a member for a few weeks or been here from the beginning, like that's part of your history. You're part of us. We're part of you. Days like this, friends, I want to make sure, brothers and sisters, it reminds us of a few things. One, the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. Look at Psalm 34. It says in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And then notice what it says in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So our senses are involved when it comes to celebrating God, remembering who he is and what he's done for us, and in celebrating his goodness towards us. Taste and see. One of the ways we do that is through communion. Like you're tasting and seeing. A physical representation of the gospel right before us. Taste and see. But also, when we celebrate. In a little bit, we're going to be seeing some great food. All right? And we're going to be tasting it. And that should be a reminder to us at these occasions at how good God is to us. This celebration and other celebrations of God's goodness and what he's done in our lives, they're, they're foreshadows of the celebration that will come on the last day when Christ returns for his people. Look at Revelation 19. Starting in verse 6, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me these words, these are the true words of God. 
So the marriage supper of the Lamb. Like when we're feasting someday, friends, there is the real and true and great feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I, loved, I like the fact that they, that they use that word supper. Some of, most of us here probably call it dinner, all right? <clears throat> but there's going to be food there, yeah. all right? I'm, I'm happy about that. I mean, how can you have a celebration without having some great food, right? Like if I told you, like, oh, hey, we just got some uh, you know, bread and butter and some water downstairs afterwards, you'd be like, really? Like, that's how we're celebrating? No. Like, we got to really celebrate. So the marriage, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will feast one day with Jesus. We will be seated at his table. Friends, that offer, look what it says. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Like God invites you to dine with him. He invites you to be there at his table of fellowship. How does that occur? Through trust in his Son for the salvation, for your salvation for the forgiveness of your sins. The salvation only comes through the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? The one that was slain, it says in John, before the foundation of the world. This Lamb is Jesus, sent for you, to die for you, to shed His life and lay it down. His blood shed. Why? Because our sins were many and grievous to God. We deserved a penalty, a penalty of death, a penalty of punishment, a penalty of eternal torment in hell. That's the truth. Yet God, in his mercy and grace, sends his son to rescue us, to redeem us, to do for us what we could not do. He is the perfect sacrifice. That's why he's called the lamb. We read right before with the Passover God brings them out. What's the Passover representing? That blood is required for their sins. There has to be shedding of blood. There has to be death for their sins. If you're covered by the blood in the Old Testament, when the angel of death came over, guess what? You lived. But if you didn't have the blood over the door, guess what? You died. You needed the blood. God wants a sacrifice. Guess what, friends? He sent it. He made it, the perfect sacrifice. His son Jesus, he sent for you. Why? Because he wants to be made right with you. And more properly, he wants you to be made right with him. Okay? He wants you to be back in right relationship with him, back in fellowship with him. Friends, the, the, the creator of the universe, God himself, loved you enough to come to rescue you, to receive that message today. Let that truth penetrate your heart. God wants a people for his own, and he offers you what he calls the gift of eternal life through his son Jesus. Receive that gift today. It is offered to each one of us. That's a reason to celebrate for what Christ has done for us. Friends, we are, 2 Corinthians 5, new creations. Yes, we, are. we are new creations. So he, he takes us, He redeems us, He cleanses us, He challenges us, He transforms us, and He does this by His work. By His blood of His Son. Thank you, Lord. 
So today, we celebrate. We celebrate the lives that have been changed. We celebrate the lives that are being transformed into his likeness. We celebrate the lives that are hearing the gospel of truth. We celebrate the goodness of God to us. We celebrate that he has brought us this far and will continue to be with us. We celebrate that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is our King and our Lord. And we celebrate that we serve a God who is quick to forgive, who extends mercy and grace to those who come to him, who takes us out of the darkness and brings us into the light. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you that we are all invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lord, I pray today people would receive that invitation. They'd open it up. They'd know it's for them. They'd trust in you. God, I pray right now you would show them what you have done for them through your son. Show them that truth. And Lord, I ask that they would trust in you today for salvation. That you would give them the gift of eternal life through your son Jesus. Father, you truly are good and gracious. You bless us over and over and over again. Time and time again, God, you are always there. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for this building for the ministry that has happened for 20 plus years. Lord, we pray for the next 20 plus that more and more ministry would continue to happen, that your name would be glorified, that the kingdom of God would be expanded and would be built up for your namesake, Lord. Thank you that you are quick to save, that you are slow to anger, that you abound in steadfast love. You truly are merciful and gracious. Amen. I'm gonna, is Ashton here? Ashton, I'm going to have Ashton come up and, and give a testimony. Okay. Um, hi, my name's Ashton, if you guys don't know me. Um, but um, yeah, I've been going to Liberty for the last three years now, I think. I think it's about three years. Um, I've been born and raised in Christianity um, basically my entire life. That's my mom's testimony. Um, but I never really fully dove in until um, it's actually this January, New Year's Eve. And um, the story is last year I, um, I was graduating, moved out. Um, I got to basically do whatever I wanted to do. And um, yeah, my relationship wasn't glorifying God. My life wasn't glorifying God. I was trying to basically find happiness in everything worldly that I could. Um, I was drinking, doing drugs, um, hanging out with the wrong people, um, 
And after every single thing or little bit of happiness that I got, it instantly went away. And I was just sat, or I was just sitting alone in my room, knowing that I could never um, make my life good or um, be truly happy. And um, it got to a fever pitch in December. Whenever um, I quit my job, I was like, I want to do this. And I was really broke. <laughs> I didn't have any money. Um, I didn't really have any friends because I basically just like stopped hanging out with the godly influences and friends that I had because I, like, I didn't like Christianity at the time. And um, yeah, I was broke. I couldn't do all the things that I wanted to do, all the plans that I had that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to glorify God. I wanted to, you know, make my friends happy. I wanted to get my friends gifts for Christmas, and I couldn't do that. And I was sitting in my room, and I was like, yeah, if this is all life is meant to be, then it is not the life that I want to live. And so um, I ended up, I don't know how, but um, I ended up like overdosing and taking like a bunch of pills. And I still don't know how I woke up the next morning. And it's quite funny because the next morning was actually the Christmas Eve service. And that's what kind of opened my eyes to be like, okay, maybe this is something you should um, do again. And then I went to Kentucky and talked to a bunch of my uh, family, and they were like, eh, no, I don't really feel like that's the right thing. I mean, like, God, I don't, I don't really believe in that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm just going to keep going and doing drugs and everything. Basically just going to go back to living my same sad lifestyle. And I went to the cross conference and even the way that that happened was Justice, um, he just walked up to me at church one day and he's like, yeah, we have an open spot. It's $150, but like if you can't pay for it, you can come with us. And I was just like, yeah, sure. I don't have the money to go. I'll just go, whatever. It's probably not going to be that good anyways. And, um, and even whenever I was in, so the, the cross conference was in Louisville, Kentucky. And I went down to Kentucky um, after Christmas and I, I was going to fly down and fly back. But my flight back would have been the day that they were leaving, and I would have missed it. And so since I was in Kentucky, I could just drive down to Louisville. And God kind of worked that out. And even whenever I was at the cross conference, I was like, man, this is dumb. This is stupid. I'm not, I didn't want to change my life around. And um, I'm pretty sure a lot of the older people know, but John Piper spoke. And the joy that he had while speaking about the Bible and speaking about God really opened my eyes. And it was like, and it wasn't what he was talking about. He wasn't like, God loves you. Like all this like happiness and jazz. He was like, like God died for our sins. Paul had a thorn in his side. We're all going to be messed up people. But God died for that. And he changes your life around. And he was speaking about missionaries. And something that can make people want to go and die and lay down their lives for something other than themselves is insane. And it has to be real. And so I started 
reading my Bible, and actually one of the verses, Raymond, Raymond and Leanne, who are going, who are actually like huge mentors in my life. Now he told me to read Jeremiah, and I, I've literally never read the Bible in maybe two or three years, except for at church or something, whenever I had to. And as soon as I got back from the cross conference, I read, um, I read Jeremiah, and there was a passage where it said, um, it was talking about the Israelites and how they they're looking at God, but their backs are completely turned to Him. And it was, a, it was a great metaphor for my life because I've always seen God there and I've always known He was there, but I never fully devoted my life to Him. And so, um, yeah, I, I fully devoted my life to God and now I'm actually, like, I'm actually going with Him. And, yeah. <laughs> And the one thing that I'm realizing is, um, like Ashton, like I didn't want to wake up at seven o'clock this morning after going to bed at three to get, <laughs> to, get to go to an extra Bible study. Ashton's not gonna wanna not do drugs, not not gonna wanna vape, not gonna wanna just like read his Bible every day. But one thing that God changed is He made me want to chase Him with all my heart. And then, and that overcomes every single other thing. So, um, yeah. Um, and, like, every day it's not going to be easy. And, like, you know, today, like, I was super tired. But it's like living for God is one of the best feelings I've ever had. <laughs> and um, I know I'm crying, but, like, I'm just, like, thinking about it. Like, last year I didn't want to be here. And I, I didn't believe in God at all. And now I'm just like, I'm hanging around with my Christian friends and everything, and I'm trying to like spread Jesus. Yeah, and so like, yeah, I'm super happy, and like, I honestly wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do it without Liberty Church. So, um, yeah, thank you guys. It's amazing. Yeah. That's what we're celebrating, y'all. Like, God is good. He's changing lives. And when I heard that Ashton was going to the cross conference, I was like, Justice, how'd, how'd you pull that off? <laughs> and I was praying like crazy for him all the days that he was there. God used that cross-conference. Talked to Ashton afterwards, if not today sometime, like he's a changed person. He is on fire for God. Very, very encouraging. So let's worship and wrap up with one more song. Yeah.